It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey guys, Gronk here, calling a 30-second hair huddle. When it comes to tackling hair loss, Hims has you covered. From clinically proven regrowth treatments to thickening shampoo and conditioner. Just go to 4 for a free consultation. Then a licensed medical provider can help you with your game plan. If prescribed, Hims ships directly to your door. Get your hair back in the game with Hims. Try today and get a 90-day money-back guarantee at 4 Just go to 4 slash NFL. That's 4 slash NFL. Restrictions apply. See website for full details and important safety information. You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We said four quarters, all gas, no break. You guys did that today. Hell of a job. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin and everywhere. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Today's episode is also brought to you by Freighter and the Medical College of Wisconsin. Working hard to bring you what's possible for your health, the Freighter and MCW Health Network is transforming the way care is delivered to make it easier for you to connect with the best of academic medicine when and where you need it. Mark Beach is on the show today, and he wrote The People's Team, an illustrated history of the Green Bay Packers. It is an awesome book. Uh, I actually have two copies of it, uh, and there's some awesome pictures in there, some outstanding stories in there, and it is, as we come up on the holidays, a terrific holiday option, gift option. So we're going to talk to Mark a little bit about the history of the team. I think that is uh, applicable bi-week fair. We're going to spend plenty of time talking about the 49ers and that matchup next week. We're going to spend some time later in the week talking about a self-scout. So there's going to be plenty of time for us to discuss the team. There will be no uh, live show on Friday uh, because there's going to be no injury report. And I've got other stuff to do. No, uh, <laughs> I just I want to give you guys a break. And frankly, it's my bye week too. So uh, we will not have uh, the, the Periscope on Friday. In fact, there will only be four shows this week. So. Uh, you guys will get your extra day off on Friday, and then we'll get into a ton of other interesting stuff as we break down Packers 49ers in a matchup that that could give Green Bay the opportunity to control its destiny for the the number one seed in the conference. And that's something we will certainly talk about as the game moves closer. Something that struck me as I went back and, and watched, and as I think back on the first 10 weeks of the season, you know, Green Bay is is 8-2, and two and haven't they haven't played their best football, right? And they haven't looked like a great team for most of the season, but they have consistently found ways to win. And and the close game scoring is, is unsustainable, but the wins count. And so when you go back and you look at, okay, so... So through 10 games in 2014, 
Green Bay was seven and three. Now, I I don't quite want to go back to that tenth game. I want to go back to pre bye week twenty fourteen. Pre bye week, Green Bay is five and three, and they have really they have one impressive win against the Bears thirty eight seventeen. They beat the Vikings in a in the rain 42 to 10. They beat the, the Panthers 38-17. So they I mean they have a couple nice wins but not against great teams necessarily. They needed the last second play against Miami. You know, they were 1 and 2 at one point and then they right before the bye week, they go to New Orleans and just get destroyed 44-23. That game, that 44-23 game to me felt a little bit like what happened with LA. They go on the road against a, a tough team, a desperate team, and they get worked. And at that point, you're going, I don't know how good this team is, really. You got a couple a couple decent wins. You lose in Detroit, where you look terrible, 19-7. You know, just barely beat the Jets in a game that you had to come back d- down three scores in the first half having lost opening weekend 36-16 to the Seahawks. I mean, this team did not look great. They didn't look great. And yet they come out of the bye week. They beat the Bears 55-14. They beat the Eagles 53-20. And that starts a streak of five straight wins that includes the Patriots win, which I still think is Mike McCarthy's greatest coaching accomplishment Uh in a single game at least, in his career. They beat the Falcons in a thriller, 43-37. They lose that wonky Buffalo game, then you know Rodgers is hurt, but we know what happens after that. They beat the Cowboys at home in the playoffs. They lose in Seattle in the NFC Championship game. That team was 12-4, and and they never felt like the best team in the NFC to me. Maybe after the Bears and the Eagles game, but you're going, okay, it's the Bears... That was not a great Bears team in 2014. They went 5-11. and That's a Mark Tressman team. You know, they beat the hell out of the Vikings. That was a 7-9 and early Mike Zimmer Vikings team. Eh, they're not that great. So, you know, what is, what is really all that impressive about what they've done? And I even, I remember I said this to, to Jason Hershorn, America's guest. We had a conversation about it. We we're like, I don't, I don't know if Green Bay is the best team, but I think they're going to get a first round bye. And they're going to be a top seed. They could have been the number one seed. And sure enough, they get their bye week. They come out and they start reeling off wins. And after the bye week, they go seven and one. And they close out and they get that number two seed. That could happen to this Packers team. There there are a lot of reasons why I think there are comparisons to be made between those two teams. Not the least of which is one I made on Twitter and that is each team had a completeness about it. They had a balance about it. You know, you have a 1,000-yard rusher in Eddie Lacy and a capable backup in James Starks. You have a legit number one receiver in Jordy Nelson and then excellent complementary pieces, Randall Cobb, that is rookie Devontae Adams. Now, I think Green Bay's current tight ends are better than the Richard Rodgers-Andrew Corliss combination. Uh, I, I think they have a more diverse Receiver group past the top two guys because Jared Boykin and Jeff Janis were zeros for that team. And, you know, this offensive line is is not 
maybe quite as good, but it's somewhere close to this offense. But then defensively, this is this is probably the best one-two punch at pass rush Green Bay has had in maybe a generation. Because this was not, you know, a team that that really had a lot of balance there. Clay Matthews had 11 sacks that season. Julius Peppers had a good season. Seven sacks. He was he was solid. That was a that was you know, young haha Clinton Dix. That team still had Tremont Williams. Micah Hyde was on that team. Sam Shields. Their secondary was a little sus, a little suspect. But so is Green Bay's now. So when you think about all the different pieces, now that, that team required Aaron Rodgers to be great, and he was. He was the MVP of the league. But he didn't start out particularly strong. They found their rhythm. They caught their rhythm at the right time. That's all you want from this Packers team. Catch your rhythm at the right time. Come off this bye week healthy. We saw last year Mike Patton comes out, a a much maligned defense, and in the first half they take it to the Rams. And they have a a great plan for Sean McVay's offense, and they, they snuffed out everything they were trying to do. It wasn't until Sean McVay said, okay, Todd Gurley on Jermaine Whitehead, you guys can't stop it. Well, Green Bay doesn't really have that hole this year. And how many teams have a guy like Todd Gurley who can exploit them? Now, it's not one-to-one because this is a new defense and you've got a different schedule of, of players. But you hit your stride in the second half of the season. Already 8-2. and two, And you're looking at games where you're going to be favored in every game except at Minnesota and in San Francisco. And so that means you should expect to be 12-4. and four. That's like baseline right now. Barring injury, that's baseline. Because the other games, Washington, Giants, Lions, Bears, and the Bears games at home, you should win all four of those games. So 12 wins is where you're looking. Can you go on the road and and beat a 49ers team? That looks really, really good. Can you go on the road and beat a Vikings team that just beat Dallas in Dallas without Adam Thielen? Can you do that in a game where Kirk Cousins in prime time actually played great? You look at that 2014 season, Green Bay didn't actually have a great road win that year. Green Bay already has one, really two. Because going into beat Chicago opening weekend, divisional opponent, I know Chicago's not great, but they're probably going to finish, you know, seven and nine, eight and eight in, in division to win a game like that. That's a good win. They already have that quality road win in Dallas. We've seen the peak of this team. We've seen them put up 31 points in less than three quarters the way that that 2014 team did. And we've seen them win games with their defense the way that 2014 team could in a way that a lot of teams in the Packers era could not. And that's what I mean when I'm talking about balance. It's not just can they run the ball. Certainly they can. Aaron Jones is the best running back that Aaron Rodgers has ever played with. It's not close and is one of the top weapons overall, full stop, Aaron Rodgers has ever played with because of his versatility, because of his ability to control the game in in multiple facets. The fact that he is almost as dangerous running the ball as he is catching the ball out of the backfield and that you can give him 20 touches a game. And then you have someone like Jamal Williams who's probably the best secondary back Green Bay's ever had, better than anything this season at least, better than anything we've seen from James Starks or, you know, you know, 
Brandon Jackson or anyone of that ilk. I mean, it's not even really close. And then we're seeing some of these guys take steps forward. Alan Lazard continues to be targeted in key spots, multiple third down targets. Rodgers misses him on what would have been a ridiculous throw for a touchdown. If he just lays it out there a little bit more, it's six. You've got Jay Sternberger who comes in and plays some nice snaps. Matt LaFleur said on Monday that they had some calls specifically for Sternberger. And they weren't able to, to complete them. Rodgers went elsewhere. But they, they like what they have in him. Enough to just throw him out there. Second game, they're going to throw him out there and call plays for him over Jimmy Graham who is having a nice day. I mean, there is there is room for this team to improve. And it's something I talk about all the time, right? This this idea of winning games in in a spot where you can still improve. And that was that was what that 2014 team felt like. You know, they were winning games, but it was there was some ugliness. They were they, you know, they won a couple of close games they probably shouldn't have won, like that Jets game, that Dolphins game. And, you know, you're like, I don't know, is this team really Are they really that good? And it turned out they hit their stride and they really were that good. They found their rhythm. They found that continuity and they got healthy as this team hopefully can do over the bye week. And and that is the, the, the narrative that they can build here. And not that the narrative wins games, but it's like when you give a player a contract. You give a player a contract based on the player he's going to be on that contract, not the player he's been. So we can't only judge the Packers on the team that they've been. We have to take into account the team they can be. And the team they can be, we've seen offensively, is one of the best five in the league. And we've seen the ceiling defensively is one of the best five in the league. They haven't been consistent in either facet, game to game, even drive to drive. If they can find some of that consistency, if they can find some of that continuity, then they have an opportunity to be the best team in the league, to beat anybody on their schedule at any time. You just have to get hot at the right time. And if anyone knows that, it should be Green Bay Packers fans over the last decade because they've done that a number of times late in the season, made runs, gotten hot, gotten into the playoffs, and then made even more noise in the postseason. All right, before we get to Mark, Let's talk about Peloton because they're offering a one-time limited offer. Get $100 off accessories when you purchase the Peloton bike and get a great cardio workout at home. Go to OnePeloton.com and use promo code LOCKEDON to get started. Hey, listen up, FanDuel Fantasy players. Your day is about to get 20% better. This is Vinny Iyer, host of Lockdown Fantasy Football here on the Lockdown Network, and I have an offer for you. Start playing fantasy this football season, and FanDuel will give you a 20% bonus on your first deposit. That's up to $500. That's a big-time bonus, and all you need to do to claim it is to make your first deposit on FanDuel. I love the fantasy contests they have on FanDuel. So many different ways to play, cash games, tournaments. I like to challenge myself there. Take my fantasy football knowledge to the next level. Many different types of game formats you can pick from. Main slate, single game, best ball, snake draft. And you can even play private contests with your friends. There's an awesome slate of games on hand every single week. You can get the players that you don't have in your redraft leagues into your lineup. Try to get that big time return on investment. Every week is a new chance for you to win big at FanDuel. And that's what I love about it. Experience season-long wins without the season-long wait. Sign up today at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to claim your bonus and start playing today. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Agent location restrictions apply. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires after 30 days. 
This episode is brought to you by Wise. Progress is great, isn't it? People listen to music on record players, then tapes and CDs, and now you can stream music and podcasts. When technology moves forward, you move with it. Like with Wise, the modern way to move money internationally. It's smarter and simpler. They use new technologies, so when you send, spend, or convert money with Wise, you get a better exchange rate with lower fees. And over 30% of transfers arrive in less time than it takes to listen to this right now. Join over 10 million people and businesses and try Wise for free at wise.com slash podcast. All right, let's get to our conversation with Mark Beach. He's a senior editor at the Players' Tribune, formerly my colleague at Sports Illustrated. That's how I met Mark. That's how we know each other. And uh, he is a terrific guy. The book is The People's Team and Illustrated History of the Green Bay Packers. You can follow him on Twitter at MarkBeach2PT0, MarkBeach2.0. Mark, thanks for joining Locked on Packers. Hey, thanks, Peter. It's great to be here. So I had you on uh, in part because, you know, you, you have this this awesome book that that came out and I think a lot of Packer fans are going to be interested in it. And the Packers history is yep. unique and different from any other team. Its relationships to its fans is unique and different. And I actually came across before your book came out, I came across um, it was actually a, a thesis paper from a, a college student who put together this it was basically asking the question why did football succeed in green bay yeah. when it was played similarly in in similar situations around the country but it worked in green bay and and the the history of it was a lot of stuff i had never heard of it was fascinating stuff so when you when you went to to research this book what what stood out to you initially that, that perhaps you didn't know or that you were fascinated by? Was there a jumping off point for you that was like, this is the thing? Um, well, I think um, I, I wanted to tell the story. I didn't just want this book to be a recitation of like uh, things you might see on Wikipedia, big games and scores and championships and all that stuff. That would be part of it, of course. But, but I wanted it to be a, a story about, you know, Green Bay itself. Uh, you know, the, from my research, I mean, I knew the big takeaways about the Packers and, and Green Bay, the only publicly owned team in major North American pro sports, the only, the only you know, the winningest team in, in the National Football League, um, and the, from the smallest town in North American major pro sports. But, but I didn't realize that like uh, there is no real analog to what the Packers are with Green Bay. The, the Packers were co-founded by a man named George Whitney Calhoun, whose great grandfather was literally the, the founder of the city of Green Bay. So the Packers go all the way back. They can trace their way, themselves all the way back to the, the beginnings of, of the town that they are from. And, and they go all the way down in the land as well. I mean, the, the, the Fox River, if you live in Green Bay, it divides east from west, and it's a more important body of water than the bay itself. Um, what side of, of the Fox you come from is as much a part of your Green Bay DNA as whether you have season tickets to Lambeau Field. Um, so it's... You know, that, that gave rise to the rivalry between the east and west sides of town, which gave rivalry rise to the rivalry between east and west high schools. Curly Lambeau was a star at Green Bay East. Um, and, you know, and that, that is what, you know, that rivalry, which became a huge deal in the early part of the century, of the 20th century, gave rise directly to the Packers. Um, you know, and, and there's really no way to, to extricate the Packers from the people or the place that they come from. And, and I think that's very unique. I mean, there's a lot of historical franchises in, in sports in North America. There's, you know, the Canadians in Montreal and the Yankees in New York and the Lakers in 
in L.A. and the Celtics in Boston, but there's no team that's as much of the place from which it comes. Um, and that, that, that research paper, I'm familiar with that. There's some fascinating stuff in there, that, you know, about the, you know, what, what, why Green Bay was able to come through the Great Depression uh, in better financial shape than other towns. Uh, you know, the, the Packers are tied to that place in ways that, that um, other teams from other towns just aren't. Yeah, and, and one nugget in that paper that was particularly fascinating to me was that Curly Lambeau himself thought that in order to be financially viable, they needed eventually to move the town to Milwaukee. But whenever they had games in Milwaukee, the fans did not come out in, and support them the same way that they did in Green Bay. The 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 green package, gold package rivalry goes back 100 years, Mark. <laughs> it's funky. I mean, the Packers have been playing, or they, they did play games in Milwaukee into the 90s. Every year, one to three games or four games or more, uh, back to 1933, and they they went to Milwaukee for money reasons, and sometimes it was a good deal, you know. Um, but but in the 40s, when Green Bay got very bad, um, in the late 40s, they actually were drawing better in Green Bay than they were in Milwaukee by far. Um, but the owners, you know, George Hallis and other NFL owners, never lost their fascination with the big city down there because, um, you know, the Milwaukee Braves moved into to. Um, you know, they they came from Boston in 1952, I think, in County Stadium in Milwaukee. Began they began setting attendance records, um, and you know, NFL owners, the Packers were very bad in the early 50s, and they were like, they they wanted the prospect of a bigger payday, and so Milwaukee, because of its bigger population, was always attractive to to other owners and other other executives in the NFL. Uh, and the the commissioner of the NFL at the time, Burt Bell, actually, is the one who um, he he backed the Packers in a lot of ways, and. And he was key to getting uh, what was at the time Green Bay City Stadium built, uh, became Lambeau Field. But he got that; he helped get that done because without that, the Packers might have moved. Yeah, and and for them to have resonated for this long, and and now it's not just the city of Green Bay. Now you have this is one of the most public teams, you know, to borrow a, a gambling term that we have in pro sports, and somehow it all connects back to this little town that supported a, a team through, you know, all sorts of financial hardships. And, you know, you have to go through prohibition and the great depression. And yet somehow this little team became one of the biggest teams in sports. Well, the Packers were, they were an excellent road draw in the 1920s. They, they drew George Hallis used to play them three times a year and twice in, twice in Chicago um, until the NFL went to divisions and they started dividing things up and became more formal about the schedule. But Hallis scheduled the Packers three times a year, and they, and they drew, big, drew big crowds, and they played at the polo grounds in New York. Um, the Packers were always good in the 20s, and so that was part of the reason. But they were also, a, you know, the David versus Goliath storyline was, was catnip to, to writers from big cities, and, and uh, they loved that. But people love to come to Green Bay as well. I mean, other, other teams from other towns love to come to Green Bay because in the 20s especially, um, prohibition was not observed in, in uh, northeastern Wisconsin. The outlaw of, of uh, the sale of liquor uh, was not observed. The the, the uh, Union Hotel in De Pere, Wisconsin, never finished its basement speakeasy rooms because they didn't have to, because they never stopped serving alcohol at the bar upstairs, because <laughs> the closest federal agents were in Milwaukee, which is a couple hours away, and they would always be tipped off before there were liquor raids and things like that. And so the basically with the blessing of the city fathers, the, the, the you know Green Bay did not observe prohibition at all. And it was, uh, you know, there were other open towns in America. Chicago was an open town, but it was ruled by Al Capone. 
Green Bay was not. Green Bay was a safe place, and teams used to come to Green Bay and, and spend like a week at a time or more there because they play the Bears after or before. Um, and so it was the most popular stop in the NFL for a good reason. And in 1929, the NFL actually held a a league meeting in Green Bay, um, and the commissioner of the NFL at the time, Joe Carr, said that everybody, not surprisingly, had a great time. Because, of course, they did, because you could have a good time in Green Bay and safely. Which is so funny. I mean, number one, could there be a more Wisconsin thing? Yeah. <laughs> and and then number two, you know, the, it over the years, you know, once once prohibition falls, Green Bay becomes essentially the opposite. It becomes a place that no one wants to come. And and even through all of that, through all the losing, the fans have have stayed true. All right, we're gonna get back to Mark in just a second, but before we do, let's talk about food. Are you hungry? Long day at work, tough day at school, still stuck at the office. Treat yourself to the meal you deserve and have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash. Okay, let's say your sweatpants are on for the day, but you don't want to microwave leftovers again. You don't want to have that frozen pizza again. Go to DoorDash. It's restaurant quality food because it is restaurant food with a living room dress code. Your parents don't pack your lunches anymore, but you still need to eat. Get your favorite restaurants brought to you with DoorDash. Brown paper bag not included, but maybe if you want it, you can you can get it yourself. You're a big boy. Ordering is easy. Just open the DoorDash app and choose what you want to eat, and your food will be delivered to you wherever you are. There are over 340,000 restaurants in 3,300 cities, so you might find a new favorite to go along with your go-tos, your Chipotle's, your Wendy's, your Chick-fil-A's, your Cheesecake Factories. So don't worry about dinner. Let dinner come to you with DoorDash. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when they download the DoorDash app and enter promo code Locked On. $5 off your first order when you download DoorDash from the App Store and enter promo code Locked On. The Freighter and the Medical College of Wisconsin Health Network offers many same-day care options to fit your busy schedule. Your health is important, so stay on top of it this football season. Take advantage of what is possible through one of the many convenient ways to get the care you need from the area's leading physicians. In need of primary care, personalized care is delivered at more than 40 health centers and clinics throughout southeastern Wisconsin. Many locations offer Saturday and extended evening hours. You can even schedule that appointment directly online. Prefer to save yourself a trip? Schedule a visit site with your own doctor through the safe and secure MyChart app or request a virtual clinic appointment 24-7 and be seen by a board-certified provider in 30 minutes or less using your phone, tablet, or laptop. For more serious conditions, staff at urgent care clinics and emergency departments are ready to treat you when you need it most, even late at night. Whether in the comfort of your home or at one of many convenient locations, Freighter and the MCW Health Network staff will provide you with exceptional care rooted in innovation and discovery. To learn more about all these care options, visit www.freighter.com care or call 1-800-DOCTORS. The Freighter and the Medical College of Wisconsin Health Network, this is what is possible. All right, back to Mark. I don't know, is there anything, I mean, you said you read that that research paper, but in all the, the history and the work that you did, is there is there anything you can point to to say, yeah, this is why this works, this is why fans feel this way about this team? Well, I mean, I think, you know, there's an excellent um, anecdote or, or lesson to be learned from, the, from, from the, the career of Bob Harlan, who was the president of the Packers, who turned the team around in the 
you know, hired Ron Wolf, who who traded for Brett Favre and signed Reggie White, and you know, the Packers of today are glorious, you know, because of what Bob Arlen did back in the late '80s, early '90s. Um, the Packers had always, you know, five times in their history they've gone to to their fans for support, mm-hmm. um, and the first three stock sales, public stock sales. Um, were lifesavers. They literally helped save the team. Um, you know, they didn't get, I think until 1950, there wasn't broad support. They were more, you know, a, a thing that was owned by the businessmen in Green Bay and supported by the businesses of Green Bay because they thought it was good publicity for the town. In the 50s, that really started to change. Um, but Bob Harlan, you know, he found that, you know, we talk about Green Bay being a great destination now. Until like 19, until 2003, Lambeau Field was a place that was only open like eight to ten days a year, um, and they the Packers were falling behind in terms of team generated revenue, and they they weren't able to compete financially, and Bob Harlan pushed through a very contentious uh, stadium refinancing bill or stadium financing bill that financed the renovation of Lambeau Field in 2003, and they put on an atrium and they they tours and a restaurant and and uh, the Hall of Fame and the gift shop, and it turned Lambeau Field into a year-round destination. Um, and the Packers now, they still come from by far the smallest market in the NFL, but they're in the top half of the league in revenue because everybody goes there. Um, but, it, you know, that was the first time that referendum was the first time that, that the Packers asked the people of Green Bay for money, and it wasn't a voluntary thing. Like, it was a tax. Um, and it, it was just after the Brewers had done, had done Miller Park, uh, which is still not paid off, by the way, uh, and which was a very contentious thing, and actually got a state legislator recalled because he switched his vote at the last minute. Pe- mm-hmm. People still had a lot of bad feelings about that. And Bob Harlan got it done. You know, I think the past 53 to 47 percent. Um, and it really, it, it, you know, in, in a way, its own way, it saved the Packers. But the people from Green Bay were the ones who put up that money. I mean, they they have always answered the bell when that team has looked for finances. You know, there, there was... The stock sales. There was the nineteenth, the nineteen forty nine Thanksgiving Day benefit game they played that literally made enough money to allow the Packers to finish the season and, and go to the West Coast. I mean, they, they've never not been there for the team. And the Packers, by the way, paid all that money off on the stadium deal, uh, and to so much so to, to such great success that the last time the Packers renovated their stadium in two thousand eleven, they did it all with their own money. Um, it really, it's a remarkable thing that that exists now. You know, there's nothing small time about that team anymore, except for the place in which it plays. Uh, and you know, it's it's a really a marvelous relationship. So the the thing about this book that is also I think really striking is it's right there in the title. It's an illustrated history of the Green Bay yeah. Packers. I, I'm sure every fan has uh, an enduring image in their mind of the Green Bay Packers, their history. I mean, we can we can think of so many, whether it's the sweep or it's you know, Ray Nitschke on the sideline or it's mm-hmm. Lombardi being hoisted up or, or even, you know, Mike Holmgren with his hands in the air for a, you know, a certain group of fans of a certain age. Uh, you know, were, were there were there images in your mind that you thought these I need these in the book Would these have to be part of the Green Bay Packers history because they're a part of the league's history, too? My, my favorite image in the book is is, uh, is actually it's an overhead shot of the the ice bowl um, taken from a mm. plane over over Lambeau Field. Uh, and it's the coldest picture I think I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Everything's white. It just it looks freezing cold. Um, so I love that picture from a purely picture standpoint. There's a great one of Tobin Road in the 50s stiff-arming Chuck Knoll, uh, Brown's linebacker. Uh, just a marvelously composed shot. 
But I, I think one of the reasons I did the book, um, and there's actually Vince Lombardi and Curly Lambeau didn't really get along. You know, Curly Lambeau was kind of a, a womanizer, a ladies' man, uh, and Lombardi was a daily communicant at St. Willibrod's Catholic Church in Green Bay. Um, Personality-wise, they clashed, but Lombardi wanted his Packers to be seen as the the standard of the franchise. Uh, he talked about this, you know, Marinus, David Marinus in his great biography of, of Lombardi has some great stuff on this. Um, and it really, it, it has, that has carried forward, and I thought that the, the great, the, the casual fan's image of Green Bay Packers history is like Ray Nitschke in a muddy, bloody uniform calling out signals at the mm-hmm. line against the Bears. Um, and there was a whole glorious history before that, you know, that, but the, the best pictures we have of it are, you know, Johnny Blood standing up against the hedge for a team photo. It's not, you know, on picture day. If there, there's, there's not the, <laughs> right. the age of television and the age of color photography was something missing. And I thought that Green Bay's history needed a, a serious authoritative uh, reckoning um, because it was in a lot of ways just as glorious as what Lombardi did in the 50s. Um, but there's not this great photographic record of it. And so I, I wanted to, to do that. Well, and and I, you know, I'm I'm biased because you're here and and because we go back. But uh, the book absolutely does that. The book is called "The People's Team: An Illustrated History of the Green Bay Packers." Uh, I assume anywhere you can find books, you can find it. I mean, just oh yeah, uh, it's, it's on Amazon, it's Barnes and Noble, it's you know, it's your local bookstore. Um, everywhere books are sold, basically. But um, you know, yeah, it's uh, it's out there, and, and um, it's a, it's a real. It, it, if you ever get a chance to go to the bookstore, it's fun because. I worked with Maureen Cavanaugh, who I worked with at SI, photo editor for many years, and she just she did a marvelous job picking pictures for this book. It's, it's just a beautiful book to hold. It is. It's a beautiful book for your coffee table, for your your den, your office, um, and uh, I, uh, I I think it it is already making uh, holiday lists. So for you. gifts, so you know, I think I, I think that would be a great gift for any Packer fan in your life, Mark. Uh, I would be remiss if I did not ask about this iteration of the Packers yep. because I, I think with Matt Lafleur, they're already making a little bit of history. This is, you know, you go back to the Brett Favre, Mike McCarthy relationship, and how that turned Brett Favre's late career around with Aaron Rodgers. What are your impressions of this team this year? Um, I, a couple. I mean, I think Lafleur. It's an interesting thing. Like uh, he went three and zero in his first three games, and everybody pointed out that he was the first one to do that since Lombardi. But Lombardi then went zero and five in his next five, and Lafleur didn't, uh, which I think is quite an accomplishment uh, in today's NFL. So I'm, I, I think that that you know, what he's done with the offense has been um, pretty remarkable. I think it's it's an interesting time for the Packers because, you know, dating back to the days of Curly Lambeau and Vince Lombardi. And, um, you know, then to Ron Wolf, the Packers have always benefited most from having a strong hand in charge of all football operations. And right now they've got, you know, Mark Murphy does some stuff and, and Brian Gutenkunst does some stuff. And, of course, you've got Matt LaFleur in there. And they sort of, you know, I talked to Murphy about that, and he said he thought that things had become siloed. Uh, it was one reason he gave for breaking up responsibilities the way he did and, and you know, sharing information and stuff. Um, and so I think it's interesting, like, you know, that if the Packers can win with more than one man in charge of football operations, I think it's a, you know, it's a watershed moment. You know, Vince Lombardi, when he stepped down as coach and GM in 67, had become just BM, to become just GM, so that both jobs had become too big for one man. Um, and I think that, you know, that was borne out. Um, they, they tried it many times over. Um, for Craig, Bart Starr, Dan Devine, these guys were all coach and GM. 
uh, and they put Ron Wolf in charge as GM, and I think that really that set the model for what has has gone has come since. And I think you know what Murphy is doing now. It's very interesting to to see, but you know it certainly it seems to be working well. Um, and as somebody who closely follows the Packers, I'm I'm gratified by that. <laughs> well, what's what's remarkable is you know Vince Lombardi said that as you said in 1967, and yet for what 50 years after that, NFL teams continued to try, and and NBA teams oh. still try it. Yeah, um, I know and, they, they and just it's... they kept doing it over and over, and like it didn't work. And finally, when they put Ron Wolf in charge of everything, that was you know, and but you know they, people look at Belichick as basically his own GM, and they just think that that can be done anywhere else, and that you know nobody else is that guy. Truly, and in the same way that Vince Lombardi, nobody else was that guy. Uh, Mark, right. this was great. Um, go, go find the book. Um, uh, not just because Mark's a great guy. Uh, it's, it's called "The People's Team: An Illustrated History of the Green Bay Packers." Mark, thanks for coming on Locked On Packers. Peter, thank you so much. It was great to be here. I really appreciate it. All right, I want to thank Mark for joining the show again. Uh, always great to talk to him. And and the book is it really? It's not just like really interesting full of history but it is beautiful to look at it would look great on a coffee table uh, over a fireplace on a credenza uh, just just walk around with it it's, it's the book is the people's team an illustrated history of the green bay packers we will be back tomorrow uh and and i think i think on thursday is when i'm going to bring you that that second part of our conversation with billy turner in conjunction with the piece that I have coming for Acme Packing Company. By the time you hear this, it may already be out, which would be wonderful. Um, but TBD, that's going to be mostly up to my editors about that one. But it'll be it'll be very good tandem con- content. So find the story that I wrote about Billy Turner and, and the work that he's doing and uh, listen to the podcast. It's going to be a good time. And then remember, no show on Friday. It's the bye week. So enjoy it. Uh, go see your family. Go see your friends. And then, uh, you know, if it's warm enough to play golf by you, go do that. I mean, I wish you would invite me because it's certainly not warm enough here for that. But um, you remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, You can do that, 920-341-3775, to stay Locked on Packers.